On Monday, August 8th, Tall Can Audio hits 1,000 episodes. Wait, that's still on? Who could possibly still care? And the gang is all here to celebrate. It's euphoric. It's got to be close to Nirvana. It's outstanding. For the first time ever, Maddie, Michaela, Rob, and Matt are all live in studio together. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! Is this likely to go well? Just check my notes here. No! At least it will make a lot of noise. Boom. Here comes the boom. A thousand pods and a thousand pints. I don't think I've ever been as proud in my entire life. TCA 1000 drops Monday, August 8th, wherever you find low-quality podcasts. Fuck, it's out of control. Shit. You're listening to Tall Can Audio. I have something to say to you! Here's your host. The issue here, sir, is that everyone fucking hates you. Matt Robinson. The Jays sweep the Red Sox in a rather dramatic fashion. Red Blacks lose again. One of the most influential guys in sports steps down from uh, leading a fairly prominent company. Maybe sports is being a bit to, a bit generous. Uh, and a big trade in the NHL reshapes the Atlantic Division here a little bit moving forward. My name is Matt Robinson. Welcome inside episode 994 of the Tall Can Audio podcast. Happy to be joined today by our buddy Steve Lloyd. How's it going today, man? Not bad. 994. We're coming up on it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Man, okay. So how, how many years did it take you to get the 994? So this started on uh, May 15th, 2015. Nice. So we're... Uh, oh, congr- uh, cheers. Thank you. Cheers. Appreciate right, that. Right, yeah, we'll have right, a, a... Yeah. Okay. Um... Yeah, well, that's where we start. What are we sipping on today? Well, um, this is what I pulled out of your fridge, Matt. Uh, this is called Henderson's Best. It's an amber ale. Ooh, okay. And uh, you can't go wrong usually with a nice amber ale. So did you end up, I can't remember now, did you go with an amber in the green room beforehand? I went well? I went with your, I'd never tried it. I had no idea. I knew Gretzky made wine. Yes. I didn't know he made an amber ale. So, so I, I tried he, Wayne's amber. It was not bad. It was okay, yeah. yeah. So I've had the, uh, he's, he makes a lager which um, I've had a couple times. The uh, the amber was new. We uh, we just spotted that, so brought it in, and uh, nice. glad it's doing all right. I uh, want to let the good listener know that on uh, Wednesday morning's podcast, we've been talking about it for a little while now, Patricia Bowl is going to be here, and uh, I don't know, I may have to be a little more professional than usual. You know her better than I do, Steve. What, oh, what should I expect here? Oh, she's, oh, you don't have to be very, no, now this is going to sound bad. You don't have to be very professional. She, she will roll with the punches. She right. will have a, you'll have a blast with Trish. I've known Trish a very long time and she, uh, Trish actually, uh, showed me the ropes many years ago. Nice. Uh, when I was a young news reporter at CFRA and, uh, when I joined there on an internship and then I got hired, uh, you know, as a part-time reporter, it was basically, all right, kid, tag along with Trish. She'll show you how to do it. So I tagged along all over the city, this dates myself, to regional council meetings back when Bob Shirelli was regional chair, when we had that level of government (laughs) before amalgamation, right? We're talking late 90s. Uh, That and Jim Watson in his first tour (laughs) as mayor and uh, many court cases down at Elgin Street. And uh, yeah, Trish... 
pro. A pro is pro. Sports a long time. Back in news now, as we all know. You'll have a blast. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. She was one of those people that, uh, you know, unlike yourself, I was like, she may not want to slum it over here. Oh. I, I was, so I wasn't sure whether or not to reach out. And I had a couple people to say, uh, you know, Trish is awesome. Yeah. Send her an email. No uh, worries. You'll yep. have a good time. So. Not surprised uh, that she said, yeah, I'm in. Yeah, so... Um, looking forward to that. That'll drop on Wednesday morning. Look for that. Make sure you're subscribed over here and us right now. Also, give us a follow on social media at Tall Can Audio. Uh, I am drinking on uh, this is from Bellwoods Brewing out of Toronto, and it is the Roman Candle, and it's an IPA. Uh, it's about six point eight percent. I've already taken one pull on it. I would call it very hoppy, mm-hmm. fairly bitter, uh, and not maybe not as crisp as I would have thought, but pretty nice. I don't mind it here and. Uh, how is the first pull or two there on the uh, on the amber? Uh, not too bad. Um, it, it's uh, a little lighter tasting than the Gretzky amber. This Henderson's best, but yeah. uh, like I said, I'm a I'm, I'm a fan of ambers. My, I think my my go to would be uh, I like browns. Okay, yes, uh, me too. And I I, I like ambers. And uh, usually in the in the in the summers, I, I like a kind of a light IPA. Yeah, you yeah. know, nice little sipping light IPA in the summer. I spent. Uh, a little while there with our mutual friend, Michaela Schreider and her husband, not too long over to beyond the pale and tried that a new pill. Uh, I don't know how new it is. Maybe I shouldn't have said new, but, uh, they call it new the to da- you. Yeah, exactly. New to me. And really what else do I care yeah, about? Exactly. Um, daily Pilsner. And, mm. uh, it was pretty nice. Had a couple of those in between rain showers out on their patio there. And then, uh, yeah, a couple stouts. They had an oatmeal stout over there. Mm. I hadn't tried. And then, um, another one that I had tried and I don't know if it's a July beer or not, but it was the, uh, dark and picante. Mexican cake stout, and I would call it spicy more than I would call it anything else. But now, uh, 9%. Yeah, 9%. So they give you like the little wine glass instead of the big pint glass, right? I guess to... Now, I, I think at 9 I think anything over 7%, part of your palate will actually taste the alcohol. Yeah. If you know what I mean, yep. right? It, that has to be the case at 9 this wasn't too bad, but I know exactly what you're saying. Some of them, remember, like, they taste Remember boozy, Labatt Maximum right? Ice way back in the day? No. Oh, see. <laughs> I'm a little younger. I, I'm, I, yeah, I'm a little bit older than you. <laughs> that came out when I was in university yeah. um, in the uh, early to mid-90s, and that would be like, oh, well, let's prime up and have some Maximum. You, you'd only need, like, two, and it, and it was- What do you say, Maximum Ice? It was, okay, there was, Labatt Ice was a big thing, Yeah, right? Okay. And then they were about maximum ice. Okay. And the percentage on that was over seven, I want to say, maybe push an eight. And you could, oh, like you would, you drink it. <laughs> and like I said, you could like, you could taste the booze in it, basically. Right. And it's, it's supposed to be a beer. It was, it was awful. But all kinds of college and university kids would drink it, right? Have sure, a couple yeah, before we go yeah, to the yeah, bar, yeah. right? And Fire force it right down. Up. Yeah. All right. The, those Not old, good. Back in my day, Lloyd, a little later in your day, mm. it was, uh, they had, and I think they saw like one was called like Labatt Shock, mm-hmm. like one was like Molson Cold Shots or something, yeah, and they were like yeah, caffeinated, yeah, 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 but extra. Yeah, those ones, yeah. yeah, they stunk. Um, but those were making their way around when I was. And when you said Maximum Ice, there it took me a second. I can remember some of those sitting in my dad's fridge for a very long oh, time. Black can, yes, yeah. And what that tells me, though, the fact that I can remember being in the fridge for a very long time is that someone else brought it and he didn't want it is, is sort of the only way that survived. I don't is, know if they still, they can't still make I'm that. I'm sure they Do they don't. still make Labatt ice even? Like regular, I don't, I don't know if they do. Right? The, you know what seems to be coming back? It's like kind of a hipster thing is the Labatt 50 is kicking around. Sankon. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It never went away. I like a good Sankon. <laughs> Um, we had that, uh, I don't know, as we kind of reminisce here a little heading towards a thousand episodes, um, 
you know, Rob's uncle used to play in the NHL. John Barrett played for the oh. Capitals and the, uh, the yeah, Red yeah, Wings yeah, there for yeah. a while. Yeah. Okay. So before he was coming in, Rob kind of made it pretty clear he's not going to drink craft beer. He's a Labatt 50 guy. And you're like, all right, well, let's do that. We'll just grab some 50 and we'll try. That's the first time I'd ever had it. And, uh, it's we like went if you ever got killer in here, you'd have to have some X on hand. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> See, those are the things you're kind of circling, but it wasn't bad. And I, 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 I like 50. I do. I always, I, I used to drink X. I yeah. Drink, I, I like ales, right? Yeah. Okay. But now for the last number of years, I'm like you, I'm like, I'm a snob. I, I, I drink craft beer. New, yeah. I totally do. Like yeah. I, pedestrian, those kind of beers. <laughs> I, I'll, I rarely buy them now. It's all about the craft beer. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. And I, I found the 50, though, to be more enjoyable than the blue, like the the, the, the whatever, the flagship, the Labatt Blue. Well, that's that a gives lot, me the exact same yeah. frontal lobe headache yeah. uh, if I've had too many Labatt Blue, right? But I'll still, uh, when I go see the old man, he's all, he's a big Molson Canadian guy. I have turned him over to the, uh, the craft beer thing a little bit, but he's still at heart a, a Molson Canadian guy. So I got... I got love for that too in my. Uh, what was your, what was your, fr- like, okay, uh, when, when you're a young man, mm-hmm. right? And maybe you're having a pop. Yeah. Matt, you might not have been 19. It oh, might not have been 19. You might not have no. been. Okay. What was, what was the, the beer that you appreciated? Maybe it doesn't have to be your first beer, but you remember, say, yeah, I drank that beer. It was Canadian. It was Canadian. Because it was the easiest to steal. <laughs> Like it was always available in the basement and like, I wasn't crazy. Like I knew you can't take all of them and expect not to be busted later, but like I could get away with a couple here and there. And my dad knew, like, there's no doubt he knew. And the only time we ever had a problem with it, cause I didn't come home stupid drunk and like get into any real trouble with it. But there was, cause he went away most weekends, you know, they he had a boat and so they'd be camping up and down the whatever. And I did make the mistake once and I don't even know, maybe I was past 19. I should have known better. I drank the last Canadian in the house. And so he comes home from a weekend and we had to have a little sit down then. He's like, look, I, it can't be an empty fridge when I get home for, you're just asking for it. Right. First I need it. And second now, like there's no deniability here. There's no plausible kid. Let's be honest. I've cut you some slack. Yes. I've turned a blind, I've turned a blind eye, Yep. but when I come home, it's been a hot day and I'm like, oh, I got that one beer in the fridge. And, it has no, to and, be and that cold beer is not in the fridge. Yeah. It's, it's time for it's a conversation. Time. Yeah, exactly. So, um, that was the only real, yeah. like now I can tell you the first thing I ever got absolutely smashed on was uh Smirnoff ice. I bet you've never had another one since. It's That's awful. usually the way it, it goes. It makes me yep. ill to even smell it. Everybody has that story. It. Yeah. Whatever it was. Yeah. Never the mistake you made as yes. a young person. It's like, I never have the whiff of that to this day. Yeah. I'm done. <laughs> No, it's I'm true. Out. That's exactly what happened. So, okay. uh, we got a few different places we could start here, but um, the Blue Jays complete the sweep over the uh, the Red Sox eight to four on Sunday afternoon. And I don't know. We could talk about what the hell has happened to the Red Sox, but uh, the Blue Jays have also now won eight of nine after you know a bit of a panic before that last home stand. Um, but the 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 thing that stood out obviously this weekend was the twenty eight to five on Friday night. I know you only caught bits and pieces of it, but can you uh, remember anything like that? Like this was a record setting night for Blue Jays offense. Everyone got at least two hits and a couple RBIs and it was insane. The, the only thing I can remember as a kid, I remember watching the game when the Blue Jays hit 10 home runs in one game and okay. er, Ernie Witt had three and Rob Ducey had at least, remember Rob Ducey? Sure, the Canadian? yeah. He had one, right? It's That's the era, right? Yeah. Uh, in, in terms of like pure wow offenses, like what is happening tonight? Um, but then nothing can, 
come on, man. Like, nothing compares this to that. This was a record-setting night, there's, so there's, obviously. There, there's no reference point. Like, no. This is now the reference point. Like, th- this is it. it so, so Tappy hits the inside the park home run, and immediately, like, I remember watching Grand this slam. game. Yeah, well, that's to me, but I remember watching the game back in the day, too, when Junior Felix did it okay. in the same ballpark. Yeah. You know? Junior, that was, Junior Felix. When he that came, was 89, I think yeah, they say. When he came up, he was... Um, you didn't really know this guy much at all. He was just a house on fire. When he <laughs> when he joined the Jays, it was just like, who is this guy? He was so good, so fast, and like, you know, he didn't become the consistent long-term player everybody had hoped, but mm-hmm. he was uh he was unbelievable when he first came up. He had the you know, it was kind of he kind of had remember Jeremy Lin had that great two and a half weeks in yes, the NBA exactly. a, few, a few years ago, right? And it was, it was like this was is like the insanity. The insanity. Yes. This is like one of the best stretches of NBA point guard basketball we've ever seen in this like that was kind of like Junior Felix. He had that kind of tore it up for a little like, and then where'd he go? Right. Yeah. Like it, it seemed fleeting, but he had an inside the park grand slam at Fenway. That's the last time it happened. Yep. And it happened with another Blue Jay at Fenway. It was incredible. And like not one of the like, of all the guys you would think, it wasn't going to be Rymel Tapia, no. but it was just a routine fly, and it gets over the guy's head, and he turns around and just, like, walking yeah. back towards it. Before uh, I'm not going to bother. Yeah, the left, the left fielder. The left fielder's got to run. Charging for it. Can you it. get that? <laughs> it was such a mess, and that was in the third inning. Oh, man. In the fifth was the worst one to me. There's a routine fly ball popped up between the catcher and the pitcher's mound, and the two of them and the third baseman all kind of come charging in and then all, I guess, just decides someone else is going to get it and it drops. That's with two out in the fifth inning. The Jays put 10 on the board with two outs in that inning. That Not catching that cost them 10 runs. Mm-hmm. I don't know the last time I saw the Blue Jays put up a 10-run inning, but to do it with two outs when you, the inning should have been over... That's where they officially just gave up. Like at that point, there's shit dropping in that fielders could have run for and whatever. And I got to tell you, out of all the teams in Major League Baseball, the Red Sox are the team I hate the most. Like I'll happily cheer for the Yankees over the Red Sox. Um, I can't stand Boston. You can read into that exactly what you will. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Can't imagine why Matt doesn't like Boston. Big Um, Patriots fan too, Matt. Oh yeah, of course. Um so to so this was Thunderdome I for you the other night. I loved every hey? second of this. this. Like, the best night of your life. It was like it had been over <laughs> since the fifth inning, and I'm like, I am watching every second yeah. of this. This is fantastic. And, and there's no like, you know what? Maybe this should let up. Okay, stop, no, stop. That, He's no. already dead. No, yeah. <laughs> no, no. Oh, no. no, give her. You're like, I want to open another beer. I Keep want the going. thirty. Yeah, uh, like yeah. at this point, yeah. you get a little greedy about it. <laughs> um, so they do finish out the uh, finish out the sweep couple more routine to like 8-4 as routine as that is 3-1 on the Saturday and they have a day off on Monday and then you got two games against the Cardinals who are not bringing Paul Goldschmidt or Nolan Nolan Orinato and those are probably the two biggest names that we have seen not cross the border because of being unvaccinated and it started the whole thing all over again, right? Uh, you know, this gets tweeted out and uh, uh, the Canadian government and the Blue Jays are, you know, home field advantage. Um, the ignorance is astounding. It's unbelievable. And it's we do a, it every week. It's the same both ways yes. at the border. Right. This is not the Canadian government. The U.S. government, Has I, I know I'm same. preaching to the choir, yep. but like it's just, and, and but it, I, I'm... I'm amazed how the, the ball players, when they're asked about it, and they start complaining about it, and they don't under they don't There's understand no, the rules. No concept at all. 
they don't get it. No. It's 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 the same rules apply on the other side of the fence when Anyways, but yeah. But they just don't think about go. it, right? And it actually, it's the Blue Jays. Uh, uh, well, this is what I wanted to ask you. What's the bigger advantage? The Blue Jays sitting at home with some of these guys that can't come across with their team or the fact that as we approach the deadline and as we went through free agency, the Blue yeah. Jays have to, you know, we can't trade for certain guys that may or may not be vaccinated because yep. they can't play at home. Like, is one outweighed by the other? Well, yeah, I, I, I've seen that. It, it, it's a disadvantage at this time of year. If you're looking at, of course, it's, it's going to be a disadvantage of the Blue Jays. Your pool is smaller. Yeah. Obviously. It like, is, right? Like Ben Benintendi is the guy everybody goes, that'd be a great pickup for the Jays. He's unvaccinated. You can't do you it. You can't do it. Yeah. So it's uh, obviously there. there's that. And you know what? There There is an advantage, you know, series in, series out at home mm-hmm. uh, for certain players that can't come. Of course, you can't deny that, that there is. But I loved what Shapiro said at the start of the year when he was asked about it in spring training. He basically, this goes old school Leafs, Owen Nolan, when when the Sens had the, the flu running for their team, yep. and the, and he said after the game, boo-hoo, you know, too <laughs> yeah. bad, boo-hoo. You know what? Boo-hoo. The Jays basically answer to that question was, we had to play in Florida yeah. and Buffalo. Yeah. We were out because of the pandemic, because of the severe border restrictions at the time. It's the only way we could function. And do you not think that that took some wins out of the win column for us? Mm-hmm. Of course it did. Yeah. So we were at a severe disadvantage being the only Canadian, uh, non-American no team. Yeah. We were on the road forever. Yeah. So don't give me this crap yeah, now. Nobody cared. Nobody yeah. helped us. And, and no. nobody cared because yeah. it was Toronto. Yeah. So now you're going to turn around, oh, Toronto's got a big advantage. Yeah. I loved how the Jays responded to that spring training. It was basically middle finger, like, yep. goodbye. Like, what are, you, what are you talking about? Have you not been paying attention? Well, and they said, like, in terms of, like, Anu Benintendi was a guy the Yankees had interest in here at the death. But same thing. They're like, like, we don't know in the playoffs. We got to go to Toronto a couple more times. The Yankees notably had some big names that weren't vaccinated that I guess got vaccinated. The Red Sox, same thing. Joe uh, Alex Cora said that the next time the Red Sox come to Toronto, their full team will be vaccinated, which wasn't the case. Um, the last time they were in Toronto, Tanner... Uh, Houck, I believe his name is, who was the, the closer there, uh, didn't make the trip and that famously cost them one game in Toronto that had Red Sox Twitter all up in arms. The Orioles are now fully vaccinated. Like, you have to be worried about that if you might play Toronto in the playoffs as well. Um, you know, it's if less likely for the NL Central St. Louis Cardinals, but, you know, mm-hmm. there is a possibility both teams end up in the World Series and you're going to leave your two best It'll be too late at that point, right? Mm-hmm. It takes a month to get this done. Shai Davidi was on the radio uh, last week saying that the Jays need a promise basically from anybody they might trade for, that if they're not vaccinated, you have to be doing like your first shot now. Yeah. Because they do have like a six or seven game road trip coming out of the trade deadline. So you will be down in the US and then when you cross back, you'd be okay. But I, I do get it. Like it's absolutely an advantage to not have the Cardinals bring those two guys um, this week, but I do think there is something to be said for the fact that, yeah, the Jays, this impacts mm. what kind of pool of players they can draw from as well. Uh, but just back to the original, the, the maddening point, you're right. Every time there's a new team that rolls through mm-hmm. and it's the same narrative, it gets trotted out. Yep. And if it's going to be the better, the player that can't make it, the bigger, the story, obviously. Yep. Right. And then some of the, I, I, I just, when, when I hear some of the players 
start to complain about this, and they have no concept about the rules and how this works, and they think this is just a, a stupid Canada rule. Yeah, and they have. <laughs> it's happened so. It's 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 it's, and you got to laugh. The after Jays a while, have to be fully like, vaccinated to keep coming in. Exactly. Like, I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's anyway. insane, and we because we keep seeing it every week, right? The, yeah. the beat reporters from each different team that comes in each week has to bring it up, and then we see all the same comments from players. What an advantage this is, and screw Canada, and Trudeau is interfering in MLB, and you're like, oh my god, this is, I can't keep doing this. No, um, no. One of the stories that is floating around right now is Juan Soto and having turned down four hundred and forty four million dollars over fifteen years from the uh, from the Nationals. Most of the lists I've read don't have the Jays as one of the top possible, um, you know, bidders to to possibly get him, but they have been linked to it. And I wanted to ask you, without going too deep into uh, Juan Soto specifically, another rumor that was floating around a couple weeks ago was the Raptors being connected to Kevin Durant. Yes. If you are, you know, an average fan of Canadian sports and, and got an option, but you can only get one, you can have Juan Soto... And the package that that's going to cost Ooh. for the Blue Jays or Kevin Durant. Would you rather? Yeah. Monty Kevin. Hall, Matt Robinson. <laughs> right. will, will you take what's in the box or what's the behind box? Yeah, curtain exactly. number two? Kevin Durant with the Raptors. You know, there's some bullshit that comes with Durant. He's never left a place peacefully. It's always, there's always a mess. Uh, there is an injury history there. But in the NBA, one guy like Kevin Durant makes an impact like no other sport. Yes. He could instantly, depending on the t- deal, turn the Raptors back into a contender again. I don't know whether or not with Soto, I, honestly, I'm interested in Soto, whether I plan to lock him up long-term or not. There's two and a half years there. It's three playoff runs. I would pay a lot to have that well, left-handed bat. Okay, let me throw this back yeah. at you then. Would you make that trade? Because the rumor is they want at least five assets, whether it's like your best prospects, uh, combination, some ro- good young roster players. Like they want premium, premium stuff, and they should. Yeah, of course you should. Twenty three years old. Would you do that, knowing that this could only be a two and a half year rental? I would. Yeah, I would make that would deal say, with or without the extension. Okay, all right. Um, now, it, one of the things that it would depend upon is is Bo in the trade or not. Because if Bo is still here, and I think you want him to be, hmm. to, but you now have three guys that are all going to want north of at least $300 million on their next, and you can't do it. So someone isn't staying, but your core is set up in such a way right now, the way like at the age Gosman's at and Bar- Barrios and Springer and, hmm. you know, I, I would do it even if it was just for the two and a half years. Um but like, it's not a perfect fit. I guess one of the big pieces that the Nationals got back last year in the Scherzer trade uh, and Turner when they sent them to the Dodgers was a very high-end catching prospect. So do they really care about Gabriel Moreno, which mm-hmm. would be... Um, Everybody's it, asking for him, obviously. Yeah. Um, you know, beyond that, obviously there's Arelvis Martinez. Do you and, think he survives a trade deadline one way or another for the Jays? Soto? No, oh, Moreno. Moreno. I... I hmm. I don't think he's going anywhere unless it is for Soto. Is a one-off, you think? Yeah, all right. Yeah, I think. So I would do it because it just fix, it, it fits in with your current timeline. And then you can decide, like, we're going to keep Soto and Vlad or we're going to keep, you know, I don't think you can keep all three of them long-term. But for three playoff runs, yeah, I think that's, uh, that's pretty enticing. But I'm going to push it back to you. All right. You can only do one of the two. Oh, man. Which one is more interesting to you? Oh, 
Man, <laughs> this is tough for me. Like, admittedly, I've always been a bigger baseball fan than a basketball fan. So yep. there's a bias yep. that comes right with that. But I can appreciate the NBA is like unbelievable with the drama, yep. uh, especially in the off season. Like, well, I know we're going to get to it eventually. The Matthew Kachuk mm-hmm. trade, like the Matthew Kachuk trade, was just wild. Yes, that happened. That when never that, happens in the NHL. When that broke, it was the first official sign and trade. Yep, we've had sign and trades before, but and when I say official, okay, we'll save it. Sure. Okay, all right. It's the first one, but that was absolutely Thunderdome for NHL fans, <laughs> yes. right? That's that's another day that ends in Y in an NBA offseason. Right. Right? And, and this latest one is we're waiting for the shoe to drop on on Kevin Durant. So there there is a sexiness to it, if you, if you will, right, um, of how this plays out. Man, because you're asking somebody for storylines. I cheer for the story. Yep. I do a daily radio show. I, <laughs> I That's what I cheer for. What can I get the most mileage out of? Mm-hmm. Um, what do people care about the most to want to talk about, text about, interact with about? Can you tell I'm stalling? Because I'm having a hard time with this. <laughs> oh, man. I got to say, maybe it's Kevin Durant. It is. I think it I is. I think it's Kevin Durant because... He's got so much baggage yep. with him as well, so there's more potential story lines uh, with that. And I'll, I'll say this, though. If I'm a Sayu jury, I am not doing that trade if Barnes has to be the centerpiece. Right. I will trade you Siakam as a centerpiece. Yep. I will trade you Ananobi as the center. Yep. I, I will do... I probably would even do Fred Van Vliet if they wanted him, but mm, I wouldn't want... Because who else is going to be your yep. point guard? Yep. But Barnes is the non-starter. He's the... Because what's Durant? 33, 34 years old. Yep. He's got, what, four years left? Four I years understand left. that. Still an elite player, obviously. But how is how well is that contract going to age? Right? Like, you got to factor this in. He's going to be bored in two years. Of course, <laughs> you want to get him. Of course, you do. But if if on the Raptors, I, I'm not trading. That, that's that's the first thing I'm saying to Brooklyn. I know you want Barnes. It's not going to happen. Right. So, but let's talk about everything else. Yeah. What do you want to do? But if it's Barnes, it's not going to happen. I think I'm in the same spot as you, but I I think that's where it falls apart. Then, like I think they would insist on. Of on course Scotty they Barnes, wouldn't, yeah. and that's why I don't think I'd do it. Right. So, but it is interesting. You know, one if you if you have to trade this much five pieces as you've correct like as we've all seen reported, to get Juan Soto. What kind of team are you left with? It doesn't sound like it would be a ton off your major league roster, but you don't have any capital now to go fix the bullpen or get that fourth starter. And so how much better are you? You are better, yeah. but are you a contender? Whereas if you bring... your priority more so with your weakness it, I think right it now. has to be, and you, yeah. you're going to deal away a lot of the capital you have to go and get that pitching. And so in the NBA, one guy can make a difference far more than in baseball. And so I think if I could only do one, I think it would be Durant as well. And I fully expect, you know, like you said, at some point shit's going to get crazy. He's he's going to be unhappy or he's going to tweet something or one of his burners is going to, you know, come out again, whatever that looks like. Um, but I think there's a far more likely scenario that he can all of a sudden make the Raptors relevant again, push them deep and and kind of keep you afloat. I just think the nature of the NBA is 
you know, is that 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 one player can make that big of a difference for you? And the Raptors are already a pretty good team, right? So, well, the the it, the amazing part of this is um, it's not that long ago. It's be a name like that would come into the market. It's like Toronto give me a break. No, there's, I know there's, there's no way. Yeah, but you know. Getting Kawhi and winning the championship was a game changer for the franchise. Yep. You know, of course, it, w- it ended up just being a rental. Mm-hmm. So basically, you got nothing to show for it, but you do have a lot to show for it. You won a championship. You put yourself on the NBA map. Yep. Masaya Jury's got the respect of every player in the league. Right. Right. And and now you will see players that will not block the opportunity to go to Toronto. If they're competitive. Right. And they are right now. Yep. That's a competitive team. So I, I, I don't think it's a fable to even go down this road and suggest that Kevin Durant, yeah, maybe he would go to Toronto. Yeah, I think he might. Yeah. Well, he grew up. We've seen and, all the the videos and the memes and stuff, him talking about growing up, cheering for he, the Raptors. And that's the other thing with him. That was his favorite team when yep. he was a kid. And yep. he was a Vince Carter fan. That was his guy. Yeah. So anyways, we'll see if it works. It'll be uh, interesting to find. I don't think either one is happening. But yeah, if you told me you can only do one, I think... I think I'm going. But Matt, to we rent. just talked about it for ten minutes or so here. That's, uh, I'm with that's you, man. The, it's that's content. The point. Right? It's content. It's, yes, it's great I, content. I understand how this game works. So, uh, so we like that. Um, let's talk a little bit about the Red Blacks, which has been less enjoyable lately. Oh, I'm looking at your tall can radio Red Blacks jersey right here. You okay? Yeah, I'm, oh I'm hurting my. a little bit. Oh. Hurting a bit. Um, they go to zero and six, and I don't know. Like we've talked a little bit about it. Creech was on the show last week, and he was sort of saying. He thought that that would be the hot seat. If you lost another one, heads were going to start to roll a little bit. And he thought actually at 0 and 5 that the, the, he uses uh, JR's scale there, how many burners are on on the oven, right? And he said at 0 and 5, those three burners on already. Mm. I don't know how many more moral victories you can have. You hung tough, you played, and I, we do have to acknowledge the starting quarterback is, is out of the picture right now. But we, you and I traded text messages during the game. And I think, what did you say? It was six and 35 or something since? They're now, I, I think it's now, after that loss, I think they're six and 32 since the 2018 Grey Cup game. Like that as is As a franchise. So awful. that was the first year after, right? 2019. Mm-hmm. And that was the last year with Rick Campbell after that fell apart after the season. They had a, they had a really tough finish, obviously. Yeah. No 2020 season, wiped out. They come back and they play the truncated season last year and now this year. Okay. They are six and thirty-two since twenty eighteen. And that's the they went to the Grey Cup game and they lost, but yes. you know, the, another high water mark in the franchise. And now and I know there's been the COVID wipeout year, mm-hmm. but when you say that out loud, it's been twenty eighteen. It's twenty twenty two. Okay. It's a long and time. you are you are six and thirty two since then. That's when I think that's a problem. I think I saw that, you know, it would go pretty easily alongside that they've lost like 17 of 18 home games now. Well, that's the other thing too. Like, it's a great venue. We can all agree. Like, I mean, uh, you got to give Osek a lot of credit the way, you know, Jeff Hunt was a big part of it at the beginning and getting the team back and they renovated, you know, the new Southside stands. Like, it's on a nice summer night. What a place to go. It's so much fun. It's just a blast. It is. Like, and that's... um, if you are a professional sports franchise of any sort, or, you know, even if you're a junior hockey team, but that's still a professional business, right? If you're selling tickets, you're asking people to come take your product in. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what you're striving for is, of course, you want 
you want to put a competitive product on the playing surface. That's going to always help ticket sales if you're if you're a very good team and competitive. But what you really want to do is you want to create a great environment where people come and you got your hardcores that are living and dying. Of course. But then you've got people you like am I going to have fun tonight? And I'll say this, if you still go to the home games, it's a good night out. Mm-hmm. It is. But but <laughs> how long got, does it you last? You got to win the odd time. Yeah. Your attendance is it, we've seen it. Your attendance will start to go downhill and you're going to get to the point where it's just that core again. Yeah. And 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 that is not a good place to be. Um so this this is concerning. Um, that they have don't have a win this season, and the record's been so poor for a number of years now. And as somebody who grew up in this community, and pre-Senators, when I was a kid, that was it. Dad took me to Riders games. Right. The Riders sucked. <laughs> it was just terrible. I became a BC Lions fan right. because a couple. he took me a couple of Lions games back-to-back years, and M- Mervin Fernandez, Swervin Mervin, was lighting it up. And I'm like, who's... Dad, I like that guy. I like that guy better. That yeah. guy's good, yeah. right? But we're... The last few years, we're we're in Rough Riders territory of of pretty much since the seventies, right up until they folded in the mid nineties, where there was a lot of terrible football. Now the sample size is much smaller right now, mm-hmm. and I think the ownership is so much better right now, and everything is way better. Like I don't want to I don't want to overdo it here. Sure. Okay. But the point is here, you got to start winning some football games. Like it, having a great venue and a great place to be and 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 a great vibe, and they have all of that. Man, like it, it doesn't happen very often where you're paying customers leaving, say, hey, the home team won tonight. Right. It's, it doesn't happen very much. What is it to like, how, how bad is it? What was a reasonable expectation for you coming into this season? Because I think we all looked at the changes they made in the offseason and went, yeah, you know what? I like that. I think this is looking better. I, yeah. I don't know if they're a great cup contender, but they should probably be hanging around, probably looking for a playoff spot. I, I, and I thought minimum 500 team. Yeah. Maybe, maybe 10 wins, like-ish. Right. And, and I honestly, this is where I was correct, because I was incorrect, because I thought, I, thought, I thought the Red Blocks had a very good chance to win this division. Hmm. And partly hmm. because I thought I liked the moves that they made. They, they invested in the right positions, I thought. Yeah. Um, but also, I... And this is the true part. I didn't think the East was any good. It's and not. it's not. It's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> it's yeah. not. It's not it's not a good division. So I coupled that. I'm like, why not? Yeah, I could see the Red Blocks easily winning the division. I did not see coming out of the gate 0 and 6. No. And that's one of the things that like as you start to work through it, you know, the first two games you get the champs and you're like, that's a little rough home and home to start. And they played them pretty tough. Like they, I, I thought the they Red Blocks. They should have won the first game. Yeah. They should have. They, the, they they were the better team. Second game, you could make the argument. They could have. Yeah. Should have and could have in the first two. Didn't. And and BC <laughs> was was there for the, you know, yep. it was kind of a sloppy game, but it was what it was. Hamilton was right there till the end. This one, uh, this it, past week. It was right there. And really the only. Too bad complete, it's not horseshoes. I know. The only complete clunker was Saskatchewan. Yes. And that's the one where Masoli ends up getting hurt. And like, it's just, as you kind of talked about, like you can kind of talk yourself into, it's not that bad. It but isn't. on the But on the heels of, as you've said, three or four years now of six and and 32 or whatever it is and you know your fan base kind of starting to dwindle a little bit at home it's not disastrous yet but it's people are getting frustrated i don't know how much room is left for moral victories but at the same time i'm not sitting there at the end of the night going fire lapo like mm. 
you're kind of like, I, I don't know what to do here. I, and, but I don't know how much longer you can just ride this out. Yeah, they, they still they had over 21,000 still. Yeah. It, it's not a bad, it's not a terrible crowd. No. It's, but it, it's disappointing, but it's not terrible. Like it's, and, and the thing is, they've been a competitive team for the most part this season, but it just has not been good enough. And, you know, the Lapo criticism comes because I, I think, honestly, I, and, and I don't blame him at all. I, I think he knows. Oh, you yeah. know, like the situation, I, I think that some of the decision-making to go for field goals and not, maybe not go for when, you, when you've when you got, uh, you know, it's third and in less than two yards, you know, that's happened, happened again just before the half in the, in the last game. Yep. I think it's got to creep into his consciousness of, you know, kind of playing not to lose. And that's right. a bad place to be. Yeah, that's true. For anybody, for anybody. And, uh, and I'm not saying that as, as a criticism. I'm just saying that as a reality of the human psyche. Yep. Like he knows, he's like, oh, man, we're going to win a game here. Right. Like we're playing well, we're, we're, we're right there. And it's just, it's not working out here. And I thought that, I, I, I didn't think that they were going to let him go after losing that game, but I thought, I, I, I left the door open a bit because so they lose their latest game mm-hmm. and they don't play again until Sunday the 31st, right? Yeah. So that's a long time yep. off. So if that's a window, if you're going to do something, yep. you do it the next day and they didn't. So he's... Yeah, and as we said here Sunday night, he's still... He's not. Yeah. He's the coach. Yeah. He's... Uh, Paul Lapolis is still the coach. Well, part of that too is we have that new coaching salary cap, right? If you fire him, he's also the offensive coordinator. Bingo. How many guys are you bringing back in, and do you have room to do it? How do you? Uh, how do you? You're backfilling from within. Yeah. Everybody talks about Bob Dice, a special teams guy. Yep. He took over when they made a coaching change in Saskatchewan a few years ago, so he has experience stepping into that head job. Would he do that? Okay, if you do that, then who's the OC? Yeah. Like what? What do? You, how are you spackling this together? When you've already got a little bit of added value because you did not hire an OC, yep, you're you're, you're double dipping as it is. So if you fire him, <laughs> that's two spots, and there's a cap on football personnel, right? So that's what's helped. Like it's 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 not an easy decision to make uh, for two reasons. To be fair to him, you've been competitive, just not good enough to win games. Yep. It's not like you're you're getting you know shit canned every no, week, no. right? Um, and the other part is like financially, how do you make it work if you make a change? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you're right. I, I think this is probably the hand you have for the, now, I mean, if they end up 08, 09, something like that, then yeah, uh, at some point something's got to give, but I, I, I just, I don't know that you're better by firing him no, mid season. You're right. And, and you may just have to ride this out a little bit. Like so. this, this isn't hockey. This isn't an 82 games. Let's rattle the cages and turn it around. It, it's, it's, it's no. different. It's not the same kind of thing. Yeah. No, I, uh, I agree with you there. Let's talk for a second about Vince McMahon stepping down. And, and you know, I, I kind of get it. It's something easy to sneer at and whatever. But you are talking about someone who has overseen one of the biggest, I guess we'll call it sports entertainment, not sports uh, organizations in uh, in North America since 1984. And the, uh, the WWE has been, you know, selling out 20,000 seat buildings for as long as any can, anyone can remember. They do their couple big shows a year in giant football stadiums and they sell those out. And over the last few weeks, we've started to hear some stories about Vince, maybe maybe a little inappropriate business here and there. And the, the big problem seemed to be not that he paid some woman off to be quiet, but that he may have used company money to do it. And when you're a publicly traded company, uh, that's a problem in a real hurry. And we actually had Kevin Mickey from Sportsnet who covers wrestling for them on the podcast uh, a night before they fired Vince. So well-timed as we Mm. didn't have this to talk about. But 
one of the things that he brought up that's really interesting as this started to happen, he had already stepped down as CEO, but he was going to keep running creative and it's a family business, no matter how publicly traded it is, he was still pulling the strings. One of the things that happens is no one else has ever run this company. And so the stockholders who would normally run screaming to the hills to get rid of a, a CEO, if this sort of thing was making the news didn't because they don't know what this company looks like without him. This mm-hmm. might be the Vince McMahon company, right? And obviously something else has come to light for him on a Friday afternoon, right after the stock market closes. <laughs> News dump central. Yeah, hey, exactly. 4.05 PM. <laughs> he tweets, um, you know, it's 77, it's time to retire. And so his daughter, Stephanie is going to be CEO with, uh, someone with business background, Nick Khan. um, I didn't think much of it, and I don't know how much, Steve, you follow wrestling at all, but Triple H, for the longest time, was a high-up executive. He had some health problems and left, and then earlier, it was either earlier on Friday or on Thursday, was reinstated to his executive position. You were kind of like, well, that's strange. I didn't really expect to see that. And then all of a sudden, Vince is gone, and you're like, okay, they were getting their their ducks in order, right? Mm. This is a, obviously in my mind, there is a bigger story still out there, and mm. part of the deal was either step down and this story won't come out, or step down now before it comes out. Yeah, but this is fairly big news for a fairly prominent oh, it's company. Hu- it's huge news. But um, now I, I I don't follow it. Um, when I, when I when I was a kid and I was younger, I did. I, yeah, but I I I will readily admit I'm not up to date. Sure, but so I'll ask you this here, and I'll. No matter what you think of Vince McMahon as a human being and a person and some of the stuff that's been rumored and has gone on and all that, this is what you cannot take away from this man. A brilliant, Mm -hmm. brilliant entrepreneur, a a brilliant businessman. He took – wrestling was popular in pockets and regions. Yep. And his father was involved and whatever. And it was his vision to start this. You know what? Why don't I bring this in? Let's let's try to get some get this on you know um, on TV more nationally. Let's let's bring all these regions together and see if we can make this work. And yeah, it was like he, leagues it, across the country. He was like, no, we're just going to make one nationwide. We're going to make be, one. Yeah, like it's it, it was ab- your top guy. And it, your top guy. it was bold. He put a lot of his own money on the line yep. to do so as as a fairly young man at the time, mm-hmm. and the bravado and the confidence to be able to do that to pull it off and to see where the company is now. It's yes. incredible. Like it's like he is you across it, the world. It's got its own TV network. It, it, it's 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 an amazing American business person story. It is like you can't you can't deny that from Vince McMahon. Yep. Um, but we've seen over the time it's wrestling, right? It's yep. like what wrestling. It still has a stigma. What what? No 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 no. Uh, it does. No, 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 it does. <laughs> but where I'm going with this is, I want to say it's wrestling. I've always I thought this for years and years, and it's got even more so over the last 25 years or so, leaning more into this. Like, if if you are somebody that makes fun of daytime television, you know, the Guiding Light, and <laughs> yeah, General Hospital, right. and YNR, wrestling is exactly that. It's a soap. Yeah, it's a soap opera, and and rather than it's a rich family living in 
and don't hate me for knowing this. My wife and my kids watch YNR in Salem. Okay, okay, Victor Newman or, or Newman Enterprises. Yeah, yeah, Genoa yeah, yeah. City. So I got that wrong. Sorry. Yeah, so, so I'm glad I got, I got that wrong. No, I got, Yay me! Yeah, I wasn't exactly. paying enough attention. You set me up. Ah, <laughs> Matt knows. <laughs> my wife hates it when I, I walk in the room and I'll make fun of it. And I just I'll talk like Victor and say, "Why is he always mumbling? Why, why did Victor always talk like this?" Can you leave? I'll leave. Okay, it's all right. You can just stay away from my daughter, all right? (laughs) So anyways, you know he was in the Titanic. Yes, I know he was in the movie Titanic. (laughs) So... It's it's a soap. It is, yep. it, and 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 home base of the soap is happens to be the wrestling. That's mm-hmm. that's what it is, and that's the lifeblood of it. And and Vince was smart enough to realize that. Yeah, he was doing full reality TV before, you know, it became a thing. He was way ahead of the curve on that. People love to watch drama, and he just created drama. So I, brilliant in in that way, you know, with 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 Vince McMahon. So I got to ask you though. Mm-hmm. Is there any chance? Do you do you leave a little little piece of your mind open to the fact? That this is a job right now? He's working it? Yes. Thousand percent. Maybe next week this is all horseshit. Oh, and, see, and, no, I, I think... And, and he's still running the company? I think he's going to his uh, palatial estate down in Florida where he will do a lot of work by phone. Um, maybe not quite as much as he normally does, like the day-by-day writing of the storylines and whatever. But I do believe with his, you know, his daughter running the company and this and that, I think there's a possibility he will still be more in charge than anyone wants to believe. And when some of the storm starts to blow over, in his mind... Is he Bobby Valentine? He'll return the fake to, mustache? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I am Guy Incognito. Um, in the wrestling industry, he has seen this too many times. Hulk Hogan says something horribly racist, and in a year or two, everyone gets over it, and you can bring him back to do special appearances. He's done that a hundred times. He does the the steroid trial. He has to lay low for a little while, and then he's back on TV, no problem. Vince has seen this a thousand times. I don't know if he realizes the new Me Too world we live in that is maybe not going to actually let him back, but I believe it's his plan Mm. to quietly go away for a little while, and whether he's ever officially back as CEO, I don't know, but I absolutely think he's still going to be pulling strings hmm. for that company. And, and you're right in the way he's kind of set this up. He he kind of read, not as well lately, but the world's changed a bit. But at the time, like he knew, I'm going to ride this all-American hero in the 80s of Hulk Hogan and and that's what the people want to see right now. We're into superheroes and we're into Americana as we kind of, you know, we, we go through the Gulf War. So we're going to turn Sergeant Slaughter into an Iraqi sympathizer and, you know, kind of keep your thumb on things. Later on, as grunge music sets in and counterculture is kind of becoming a thing. Okay, my top good guy now is Stone Cold Steve Austin, who uh, five years ago would have been the bad guy, mad yeah. at everybody. But no, people right now relate to drinking beer, being mad at their boss and just raising hell all the time. And you kind of keep riding these sort of um, social changes. And he he was very good at keeping his thumb on that. And I don't know if that's still possible or if he's, you know, just sort of lost touch or whatever. The company is nowhere near as popular as it once was, but it makes more money than it ever has before. Mm. Just being involved in everything, video man. games and worldwide tours and its own TV channel. And yeah, all these things. It's, you know what I do? I don't watch like SmackDown. I don't, I don't watch like the wrestling shows, but what I do watch the odd time, the documentaries yeah. are outstanding. Yeah, they do a really good job. It's so good. I watched one, um... I saw something a couple of months ago, Matt, and I don't know how I stumbled across it. Did 
correct. You might know more. I'm sure you do. Did Stone Stone Cold have a bit of a kind of a Letterman kind of a sit down talk show? Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah, he's got like a. I can't remember what it is. It's like, it's like you and I sitting here, and it'll yeah. have a guy. And they he, drink beers, and is he making beers? He had Undertaker on? Yeah. It was a character. Just oh, shooting was, the shit. It was very good. It was amazing. Yeah. It was amazing. That's the, that's the last time I was kind of like, I was like, when Undertaker was first coming to prominence, and he became a thing for a number of years, yep. that's when I... The last time I think I kind of followed it more. Okay, yeah. And, uh, you know, I was, I, I thought that character was outstanding. Yep. Right? Of course. Uh, and then. Maybe their wa- best ever. Yeah. And to watch him, you know, uh, talk about, you know, out of character and talk about the journey and whatever. And, and, and speaking of which, like, I, I like talking about what it's, uh, I want to, I want the curtain pulled back. Like, what's it like to be you? Like, right. To be in this industry and do what you do on a daily basis. Like, we were doing a show. Um, the, the WWE was coming through town here in Ottawa a number of years, whatever. Right. And so, uh, they were making guys available mm-hmm. and, uh, he just rolled in and then, and it was Seamus. Okay. Like, yeah. So Seamus is coming downtown. You're going to interview Seamus. And I, I knew him a little, I wasn't following him as closely, but I knew him I'm like, okay, I, I know who this guy is. So I did a little bit of homework. He comes in and he, he, he looks like, he looks like shit. Like it's been, <laughs> it's been a long night for him and he comes in, he's like, hey, yeah, whatever. And then, but we do the interview and he was totally out of character mm-hmm. and it was one of the best interviews of, of just sitting there and talk, ask a question, get an answer and being real about what it was like to be on the road. And he, like, it wasn't like he was out partying super hard the night before. He was tired because he's been on the road forever. I've been forever. doing this for four weeks. I've been on the road. And he's like, yeah, man, he's just night. like, yeah, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, this, it, it's a grind. It's this. I've had this injury and this injury and this injury and this injury. Uh, we're on the road this many days a year. Uh, working with, I hate working with this guy because yeah. he's not very good. He can hurt you. Yes. And it was just, it was amazing. Yeah. It was so good. It, it's a fascinating business just to talk about. And I find that at this point, I, I still watch the big shows, like SummerSlam's coming up next weekend. Yep. I'll probably watch that. It's one of the biggest ones of the year. WrestleMania I watch most years. And the Royal Rumble, I'll probably... Other than that, at this point, you know, if there's no sports on TV on Monday and I just want something on in the background, maybe I'll flip on Raw. I've sort of lost interest in the week to week. But I do still, yeah, like you say, the back, the behind the scenes stuff is, is pretty interesting. And for a guy like The Undertaker, who for 30 years did not break character... This is who I am all of the time. And so, you know, you're walking through the airport. You're not dressed in your wrestling gear or whatever, but you, you're not doing autographs. You're not whatever. And to watch him when it was over, just go, yeah, all right, let's sit. I like whiskey. I like beer. Let's sit down and shoot the shit. And I'll tell you what you want to hear now, right? The story's yeah. over. It's, it's interesting. And it has become, he built, as you put it, like a hell of a soap opera for basically for sports fans or whatever you want to call it. And. You know, you show up and you cheer the guys you like and you boo the guys you don't. You don't have to worry about somebody punching you in the face because you booed them. That's their job. That's the reaction they wanted out of you. And yeah, um, yeah I think what Vince has has created there is interesting. And he is, you know, regardless of what you think of the wrestling industry, one of the, like, this is a seismic change for a huge company oh. in North America. And we'll see where it's going to take things now. I'm. It, you make a good point with, you know, the market. It's like, we we don't know what this looks like when he does not run this company. Right. Like, it, when you think about that, it's crazy. Yeah. Right. So there's a lot of fear there. With <laughs> of course, yeah. Like this went from being in armories, like smoky arenas, in front of a couple thousand people, to selling out the Astrodome or whatever, and having these cartoon like, shows, and yeah, figurines, this and movie star style, and, you know, entrances yep. and stuff like that. It's it's going to be a big change uh, in the industry. So. Um, that'll be interesting to keep an eye on. 
Uh, if you're interested in hearing more about the wrestling side of things right now, like I said, SummerSlam coming up. Uh, episode 992 was Kevin Mickey from Sportsnet. We were talking wrestling with him. He's their wrestling guy. So uh, you can check that out wherever you're hearing us right now or just visit talkinaudio.com. Uh, speaking of big changes, um, I would suggest that uh, maybe no team in the NHL has seen more changes in the last couple of weeks than the Calgary Flames. And I don't know about you, but... I thought they did a pretty nice job getting out of a pretty awful situation after Johnny Goudreau heads back to, or heads to Columbus, mm. Matthew Kachuk decides, yeah, you know what? I'm going to peace out of here too. Um, I've only got a couple spots I'm willing to go, so you can accommodate that or not, but I'm out of here in a year. And they end up trading him to the Florida Panthers for another 100 point guy in Jonathan Huberdeau, Mackenzie Weger, a first round pick. And a prospect, a yeah, good prospect, whose yeah. name escapes me right now, yeah. but yeah, is a, a so, reasonably good, uh, good prospect. I don't know. You kind of referenced this a little while ago when we were talking. I don't remember the last time we saw two one hundred point players exchanged for each other. This is a massive trade. Oh, it's it's um, it's unbelievable. We were talking about the NBA earlier, and like uh, the NBA's off season always seems to be like this, right? And yeah. It's like it's NBA fans are just wait. They expect it. Hockey fans don't expect this this kind of drama. Like we all remember, how many years ago are we talking about Matt? Was it five years ago? In the span of what twenty three minutes, yes. Stamkos decided he wasn't going to sign with the Leafs. Subban got traded for Weber, mm-hmm. and then Hall got traded for Larson. That's right. The trade is one for one. It, it was just it was it's like what is going on? Yeah. Right. Like what happened late on Friday kind of felt like that. It just kind of dropped out of the blue. We like I think we all knew. Um, Matthew Kachuk was not going to make it to his arbitration hearing. No, he wasn't. Okay, that was August 11th. When those hearing dates were set late last week, it's like, okay, now we've got we've got a finish line about how quickly this is going to happen. But obviously, and and this speaks to how I think Matthew Kachuk, um, I'll say this, he, he didn't leave the flames high and dry. No, that's he, true. He told them, like, listen, I'm not going to sign, and he worked with them. He didn't soul source. I don't really want to be traded to St. Louis or yeah, something like that, Which is right? basically what I expected. You know, and yeah. he, he didn't do that. Yep. Um, there was multiple teams involved, and apparently it came down to three teams, and Jersey was really close, yeah. apparently. Um, and um, so it allowed the Flames to have a little bit of leverage in the situation because who wouldn't want a player of that age with a 100-point score who can help you when he's not scoring? A bit of a unicorn in his style. He just does a little bit of everything for you, obviously. Mm -hmm. And to get that kind of return... Now, the key here is going to be, can you convince Huberto or Uyghur to sign extensions? If you you get them... Because they're both UFAs. Yep. You only get them for one year here. But then again, right, if... I, I don't care if the Calgary Flames are in a playoff spot and they're a competitive team, and and they and they say, especially Uberto, I'm not signing extension. You trade them. Yep, you do. You have to, and so you'll still get some value with, from Kachuk. You've bought at the minimum. You've bought yourself more runway to get value with Kachuk wanting to leave, and at best. You sign Uberto and Uyghur, and it's yes. a home run trade. Yeah, you fleece Florida at that point, <laughs> yeah. in my opinion. I I think yeah, worst case scenario is you just traded Matthew Kachuk for three first-round picks. Because when you turn around, if you have to trade Huberto and you have yes. to trade, those are first-round picks coming back for yeah. you. So if you had said to any Flames fan, look, your top two guys are gone. One of them you're obviously not getting anything for because Johnny Gaudreau is, is just leaving as a UFA. We're going to have to trade Kachuk, but we're going to get you three first-round picks. You'd take it. But before you have to get to that point, you have these guys. You can try and convince them to stay and... and Look, Huberto's a hell of a player. Mackenzie Weger, I don't know, maybe it's become a little cliche. For a while, was one of the most 
underappreciated guys in the league. I think we now know how good he is and, and that Flames defense has only gotten better as well. So I don't know how good Calgary is going to be this year, but they did far better in this situation than I ever oh. would have expected. Oh. They were backed into a corner with no leverage is what I assume. None of us they... were expecting to get this kind of return. No. It was to the point you and I were chatting before we, we started uh, doing this pod. Um, when I first saw it flash across my Twitter timeline, it was one of those, all right, I better open up the whole thing here because this this could be a fake. Yes. All right? Yeah. I'm like, all Elliot right. Friedman. This, this, is, <laughs> right. this is, no, this is real. Yeah. This is happening. Jonathan Huberto. And what, what's interesting is um, his full no move clause expired. And this was the little window where Florida had to, because, and he had a modified, modified no trade list. So. Huberto? Yeah. Okay. So may, I, like, I don't know if there's going to be more to this story. Did he not get his, because of the expiration, because here's here's how it works. You have to reapply your list, and if there's deadlines, right? Yeah. If you don't get your list in for your modified no trade, then it's not valid for that point until you submit the list. So, and I only bring this up is because this is pretty much a lot of Canadian teams are yeah. on no trade list. Oh, yeah. Just strictly for tax purposes. Yep. They are. Like, that's a reality. Guys don't want to come here. That's another conversation, mm-hmm. you know, altogether why there has not been a Stanley Cup champion from this country in almost 30 years. Right. Right? That's not a coincidence, okay? It's a little bit tougher for obvious reasons. Um, so did the Florida Panthers um, take, was that a target of opportunity to make him available without uh, asking him? Like was were the flames on his list? Was his list active mm-hmm. at this point? Recording this pod, I don't know the answer to that question. Um, but to get a talent like that, man, twenty nine years old, hundred point score, and you get a and you get like a legit at worst on an excellent team. Uyghur's a three, yeah. At worst, that's right, yeah. Like he's he's a top pairing kind of a guy. Uberto's a superstar. Yes, he is. He of he, course he yeah. is a superstar talent, and to be able to re-energize your fan base after the kick in the balls that they've taken here. You know, to talk, to quote the great Matt Duchesne when he talked about uh, Zach Smith being waived in Senators <laughs> training camp for years ago and gave us that nugget. That's what happened to Flames fans. And now all of a sudden, it's like, all right, you know, we still good got job, Brad. Going here, yeah. Good job. Thank yeah. you very much. We can feel proud about our team here and uh, we're, we got a chance to be very competitive again. What do you think of this from the Panthers' side of things? Because they get a very young, um, like you said, almost... There might not be anyone else in the league quite like Matthew Kachuk, who combines the physical mm-hmm. elements with the scoring touch and and things like that. But um, their defense is bad right mm-hmm. now. When you look at it, Mark Stahl is going to take regular minutes. Brendan Montour is going to play regular minutes. Um, they won't be able to overcome a catastrophic Ekblad injury for a third no, season in a row because exactly. Weger helped out with that the last for two sure. years. And they're over the cap right now, so something else is coming that's going to have to take pieces off the roster. I'm not saying they shouldn't have made the deal. When you can get a Matthew Kachuk for the next nine years, that's a worthwhile move. But I'm not certain that they're as good this year as they come this year coming up as they were last year. Yeah, to your point, I wonder if they're done with their rejigging. I I, I think that they need to add something on the blue line yeah, for sure. Right, um, like Justin Hall. Yeah. <laughs> Would look great Easy. down in Florida. Yeah, yeah for <laughs> you know, for their first round pick five years from now, exactly. They don't have one for four Not, years. Nothing until twenty twenty six. They don't have a first round pick. It's insane. Oh man! But you're right. It's like when you look at their blue line, like Ekblad's great player. Obviously, I think Montour's a good player. You know, Gudis is is uh, you know he is what he is. He he's that that bottom pairing guy that keep your head up 
right? But yep, they they need um, Mark Stahl in there now. Yeah, well, it's yeah, it's it's not a great blue. No, line. I'm with you on that. Like, yeah. if there's one area of concern right now, I wonder what Bill Zito does uh, if if. And you got to play the shell game, move some pieces around. Yeah. Right. Can can it, at this stage of the off season, can you dump some money? It's dumping money's hard in yeah. this flat cap era right now. But um, I don't blame them though. You because Uyghur and Uberto were both up, and so that was going to be big time raises yes. for both of them. Yep. And you know what? You said let, let let us consolidate. We can get Matthew Kachuk, who's a much younger player. Mm-hmm. He's got a chance to be a much better player for a longer period of time. Let's just like so. I think this is a really good trade for both teams. Like it's, I can understand why Florida doesn't. Um, it makes them a little bit weaker on the back end by giving up Uyghur yeah. when they didn't have to right now. Um, and Calgary, man, like it's, it could be an absolute home run. And at the very least, it's an excellent trade when you're in a tough spot. You would have covered this pretty closely, I'm sure. It would have been a storyline for, for Sens fans quite a bit when Brady and Matthew have played each other over the years. That's now going to happen far more often in the with division. Matthew Kinchuk in yeah. his division. Have those games historically yielded much no. interesting between the two of them? No, yeah. like when we had that that bubble season a couple of years ago when you played only in your division and they nine played what times. eight or nine times yeah. or something. And I, I remember at the start we're like, oh boy, the Kachuk boys, and, and they downplayed. It's like every time they listen, we're not going to fight each other, no. okay? Because we all think, oh, remember when the Primo brothers right. fought each other? Remember Mark and Dale Hunter and the Battle <laughs> of Quebec? And the, it's like. You know, um, you know, tempers can run hot the odd time. So I'd, I'd still be very surprised if that ever happened. But it's it's still a juicy storyline. Sure, yeah. The Kachucks are going to play meaningful games against each other a little more often now. Yeah. Um, the dominoes continue to fall in Columbus after they grab Johnny Goudreau. Uh, they go out and lock up Patrick Laine, thinking obviously that's going to be a really nice combination with Johnny Goudreau's playmaking abilities. But it costs them Oliver Bjorkstrand. And I don't think... You know, he's a good player. He is a good player. And people don't like who follows Columbus. Uh, nobody, literally right? nobody. He's and a o- good player. Over the last three years, he has one more goal than Patrick Laine. Yeah, and uh, he's now going to be making three million dollars less, roughly, because I believe Laine's new deal is eight point seven million dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a little rich for a guy who's been remarkably inconsistent over the last little bit. Um, I don't know. I, I like Columbus is now paying a lot of money. I think four million dollars on Eric Goodbranson, which was. Fascinating. I, Yarmul Kekalainen's a smart GM. I did not understand that deal at all. It's like, to me, I look at Columbus right now, they're going to be pressed up against the cap, and I don't think they're a playoff team. Well, it's, um, they, they've got Line A. Yep. They've got Johnny Hockey. They, My boy, Putin Jenner. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just looking at the down the middle, right? You know, you got Roslovic, you got Boone Jenner can play center, you got Cole young Sillinger. Cole Sillinger. Yep. I mean, how how is this going to, Tessier can play some center for them right now. Like down the middle of the ice, it's it's rather mediocre it's yeah. at this point. And that's a very important position, as we all know, in hockey. Mm-hmm. So is Elvis going to be <laughs> the real deal in goal? Like he's, he's, you know, earned that contract, quality guy. Sure. Um, but I, I'm, I'm with you on that. But I'll, I'll say this about Columbus. In, in getting um, Johnny Gaudreau to sign there, that's another fan base I'm somewhat happy for because right. it's like they're, they've just been accustomed to guys leaving and I don't want to play here and we're moving on for various reasons. And and it's not fair because sometimes it's all 
it can be very specific individual reasons why somebody wants to move on. Mm-hmm. But if a, if a bunch of things happen in a short period of time, everybody else on the outside looking in, like us, will say, oh, well, who wants playing Columbus? It's not fair. It's not. So the, the fact that Johnny Gaudreau said, you know what? Because Johnny Gaudreau turned down, what, 10.5? Yep. Eight Over years. Eight years. Yep. From Calgary. And... And and that was a personal decision for him. He just wanted to go back closer east. That's and how can you argue with that? Like right. it's like that's that's got, that's a life family decision. That's where I want to live. That's it. And uh, at the first time, it's like, but you didn't go all the way east, bro. Columbus, yeah. right? Really? You know. But then it's like, you know what? Um, he 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 made that decision, and he wanted to sign there. So I I am happy for that franchise in that they landed a big fish. The, a big fish was on the market, and they got him. But to your point, I, I don't know if they're there yet. No. I don't know if they're a playoff team. I still do not like them down the middle of the ice right now. Uh, speaking of markets who have been used to seeing guys leaving but have enjoyed a very nice offseason this year, would be remiss since you're here, you're getting the uh, the text messages and the phone calls from the Ottawa fan base. It's been a very nice month, maybe two months, for Ottawa with Daniel Alfredson going into the Hall of Fame the uh, arena news that that is back on the table at LeBreton Flats, and then obviously Alex DeBrinkett and Claude Giroux coming in. Um, I think it's, like I said, I think it's been a good month or two. How's the fan base feeling? I got to assume everybody's thrilled. What's the vibe been like as you're taking calls and text messages every day? The, the, it's a 180. Like, yeah. I mean, it's been five years of absolute um, everybody's sour for obvious reasons. It's like what's it's been five years of what's next. Like it got to the point where, you know, there was the Uber thing. You, you, and, and and I I only bring this up because it was just like, okay, of course. There was a minor thing. Remember they it had nothing to do with the senators, right? But they had a uh, a baby jumper that had to be pulled off the market because the buttons were yes. choking and a little too much. Like and that like something like that happened and it, and we all went Whatever. Oh, right. I guess this can happen too. Sure. Right? It was just like, what is going to happen next here? Yeah. So ever since that they went to the I conference totally final. About that. Yeah. It, it was just to, one thing in the pile of I, shit that I, Sens fans have had to and endure. And that's why I brought it up because yeah. people forget. It's like, oh, yeah, I remember that one too. Yeah. Which, which if it was just like uh, a normal team and, and things were normally happening through this process, like, oh, that's unfortunate. That's weird. And yeah, you know, move on, but yeah. now it's like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Why not, man? <laughs> pile okay, it on. Okay, great. Yeah. You know? Um, so to that end, um, I'm happy for Sens fans that they um, they don't have to feel like they're the butt of everybody's joke right. around the league about who's leaving next, what bad thing is going to happen next. Um, it's it's been amazing since around you know as you laid out the timeline, like they got the encouraging not across the finish line, but encouraging news on LeBreton. Mm-hmm. Alfie gets into the hall. Everybody's excited about that. You know, even a little thing that Wade Redden has been hired full right, time. Yeah. That's a reach to the past from the from the better years. He he comes back in here as well. You pull off the Debrinket trade. That's a signal mm-hmm. to your fans. And it's even more important, it's a signal to Thomas Shabbat and Brady Kachuk, who in their exit meetings were very pointed and saying, yeah, great. Yeah, I, I know you like us and we're, well, but what are you going to do to help yes, us? Because we're, we're sick and tired of losing. Yeah. We're sick and tired of it. We like we're doing the best we can. What are you going to do? It's like, all right, we're going to get you a two-time forty goal scorer. It's twenty-four years old. That's pretty good, you know. <laughs> it's like Pulp Fiction. Yeah, you happy now? We're sending the wolf. Okay, so <laughs> wait, you do that, and I don't. I don't know. Claude Giroux is this is his de facto hometown, but he still wants to have a chance. He wants at least 
at least give me a vision to this team being competitive in my time if I sign with you. I don't know if he signs with them if they don't make that move. Like that was a kind of a flare. It's like, wow, okay. Yeah. They're getting serious about trying to win now. You pull off the Debrinka trade. And the small move I like, Matt, I like the fact that, and, and he's a UFA and he's 35 years old. You, you solidified your goaltending. This is a nice little trade, trading Gustafson, getting Talbot. Talbot's a guy that comes in. You, you at least, you, you know, you have two veteran guys that you think can play here rather than, well, I hope Forsberg, he played well and he earned the contract and I hope Gus can play and I don't want to rush any kids. That was a nice little move to help solidify your goaltending because you can do all these moves. You can bring in Giroux. You can bring in Debrinkat. You can do all these things. If your goaltending sucks, you're done. <laughs> you got no chance. You did so, manage to punt part of your goaltending problem into my backyard, which was <laughs> just delightful. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I might disagree with you on the, the Talbot thing only just because some of the advanced numbers would suggest, obviously Gustafson's far younger, that he's has been in the minutes he's played slightly above average and Talbot lately as he, I think he's 35 now. He's 35. Might have been recently slightly below average, like not a huge cliff. Um, but just slightly different, but more upside still on Gustafson. I, I gotta be honest. I didn't understand that trade. I, well, I understood getting rid of Matt Murray. Um, and I, it's clearly they're trying to build yeah. a path for Sogard. Right. Well, th- well, that's the thing. I don't know if they do that trade if they do, they're not so high in Sogard. Yeah. Like they, like they are super high in Sogard. They think he's got a real chance to be a stud. Not uh, this year. And, and that was the point. Yeah. They didn't want to get in the situation of Gus has a bad year and he had a bad year last year. Right. What if this is a trend? He's another bad year. And, and then we're like, oh, now we got to force Mads. Yeah. And we don't want to force yeah. Mads okay. because he's our guy. Yeah. You know, I'm, like it's a long list of, of young prospects, especially goaltenders, get, that get rushed to the league too That's quickly yeah. because you get desperate. And I think they didn't want to put themselves in a desperate situation. That trade was more about how much they love Matt Sogard and they want him to play in Belleville still. I guess that makes sense. And that was the only thing that yeah. Pierre's done in the last month or two where I kind of went, ah, well, you know what? But I, but I guess there's, like what you said, there, there's, that's, there's the logic one, to that. But yeah, the, the one thing that it was perplexing to me, the only one was I raised an eyebrow, I was like, I, you only got a second for Connor Brown. Um, yeah. And, and I know apparently he wanted out. Like if you're going to tell a team I'm not signing with you, basically, of course yeah. you want it, even though it's a year out. Right. Um, but then again, I'm looking around at some of the value. I don't think they gave a heck of a lot up to get the Brinkett, to be honest no, with you. No, they didn't. You know, and 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 that's a that's kind of a top tier look at it. Like, a, wow, it's a premium player. But you look at some of the value, that's what Calgary did was amazing, right? Yes. We're talking about that. But I th- we've seen a lot it's of been trades. A buyer's market. Yeah, we've seen a lot of trades. Like, you know what? All right, that trade happened. So I thought maybe a little bit more. Yeah. And I put Connor Brown in that in that market. I did too. as well. Now I'm a sucker for Connor Brown. I love that you know guy. He's, he's and but listen, the Senators are not a cap team yet. They're going to have to be in a couple of years with yeah. the contracts, with, but they're not there yet. So maybe it was also part. It's like all right, well, we're bringing in a lot of money here in some of these moves, and we're moving some out, and we're gonna and they're still trying to add a top four. D. Well, we haven't mentioned yet, I guess, in all the things that they've done well. They also locked up Josh Norris long term. Exactly. Um, so, so it's been a really nice period yeah, of time, and they're still they're they're looking at a top four D, and that's gonna that's gonna be a salary yes. uh, that they're gonna be taking on. So maybe the Brown trade was part of that as well. So do you I, do you think this is the question? Right? They finished. I, I've had a couple different like um, Graham Nichols been on a couple times. Six sends and um, Creatures been in a couple times, and and before all of this happened. Before they got to Brinkett, before they signed Giroux, everyone was already pretty high that this team had turned and was going in the right direction, and it clearly was. But 
the reality check was always you were 30 points out of the playoffs last year. And that's an awful lot of room to make up. Now you've gone out, you've made all these improvements. I think people are expecting probably Boston to be the team that would take a step back. And that's They're going to be hurt for a while. McAvoy's out for a bit. Uh, It sounds like Krejci's coming back, um, but they have a couple injuries, a couple guys that are going to be out for a bit. I don't know. I I think Ottawa's going to be closer than I thought they were a couple of weeks ago, obviously. Is this a playoff team, though? I can't say that. Yeah. I can't say 100%. It's a lot of ground to pick up. I would say that, and it's because I think Detroit got a lot better. They, and, and, yeah. You know, uh, Ottawa got stuff. better. Detroit got better. Um, Buffalo did not. You know, Buffalo. Montreal did. Montreal no. actually was interesting. I get Kirby Doc. That's but, a reasonable gamble, right? They're not a playoff team. Don't get me wrong. No, no, there, no, 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 but no. I like what they... I think they made some interesting moves there. No, but I, I look at some other Eastern Conference teams. It's it's like it, Ottawa's got better. No question about. Well, of course they. Did. How can yes. you say Ottawa yes. did not for get sure better. they got better? They got they they, they got better. Did they get um, thirty points better? Yeah. Well, well, we'll we'll see. And there's always a couple of teams every year in the league, at least a couple that we think uh, we think are oh that's playoff. Team. I've been writing off Boston for four years. Well, most people have, and, and right? they're just like nope, hundred points. 100 and plus, I will say this: points. I will because I'm wrong about a lot of stuff. I'm really bad. I will. I've I've always been. The contrarian with that, I'm like, hey, listen, don't write the Bruins off yet. No. Okay, there's they still, but now finally, I'm almost ready to write the Bruins off. Right, and it's it's the injuries because Sens fans know this. You get off to horrible starts. I don't I don't give a shit how well you play after Christmas. You're done. Yeah, you cannot bury yourself that much that early in Boston with their injuries to start yeah. the year. The yeah. key guys. It's going to be... Because I think it's Marchand, McAvoy, and oh. there is one other major injury. If, 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 if Jim Montgomery, you know, gets navigates that team through the first few months of the season yeah, until they get town, their guys buddy. back, I mean, coach of the year. Yeah. Like that... Yep. Like, I think if the Boston Bruins make the playoffs, Jim Montgomery will be a nominee for the Adams. I agree with that. I, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. he will. Like, it's, it's going to be tough sledding, so... Well, um, they just turned their back on one brilliant coach and decided it was time to go. Yeah, it, was, it sounds like it was time, I guess, with some of the things you were hearing out of the room. But you don't I, know what Bruce to believe, Cassidy though. Eh? Was like so it, good. I like, mean, look at the job that he did, right? Yeah, like it's just. Yeah. Uh, but sorry, back to the sense. Can they make the playoffs? <laughs> um, I, I think anything short of them being competitive, they cannot be sellers at the trade deadline. Right? Like, they can't, man. Yeah. And and I think I love that the pressure's on now. I love it that the pressure's on. If they shit the bed the first couple months of the season again, coach getting fired. Yep. And 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 DJ Smith knows this. He he's not stupid. You know, because now all right, here's some more horses. Here we go. And you know what? Who knows what the board who's running the team is as Eugene Melnick's daughters are technically the owners of the team, but the board is running the team here. You know, the GM knows. It's like like Pierre Dorian, you have missed the playoffs for yeah. five years in a row and not lost your job. That rarely happens in the history of the NHL. To be a GM and miss the playoffs for five years in a row and you're still the GM? I did the, I did the list a while ago on this. It's a short <laughs> list. And most of it includes expansion era teams. Right. And you go back, I think, it was, Lynn, I think it was Lynn Patrick <laughs> in the 50s was okay. one. Uh, <laughs> the two that kind of stick out was two of them are the Islanders, Gar Snow and Mike Mulberry. Oh, they Charles both, Wong's buddies, I guess. They, they right? both missed the playoffs for five straight years and their separate tenures as GM and the Islanders and were able to come back for at least a sixth year. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't happen very often that you are allowed to miss the playoffs and 
with Ottawa's case, spectacularly missed the playoffs. <laughs> yes. uh, well, it's and, been over by Thanksgiving. In a few of those seasons. And you're allowed to come back and still run the team here. Yeah. So I think that's part of like... Um, well, on make, that front, make, like Rob Stepping off the me. curb and making these moves yeah. right now. Oh, he's going for it. You better. And he's reinvigorated. Like, if nothing else... He's reinvigorated the fan base. You have seen, I've seen, I'm sure you have too, on my Twitter timeline, people going, I just bought my 12 flex pack or my half season yes. tickets or whatever. I've, like, I've had Anthony LeBlanc on the show and, you know, what? I, I listen, he works for the Sens, so of course you're going to be very positive. Sure. But he's like, you know, we're, it's an uptick. I'm seeing it. And and it's, it's there's only one way to go. Season ticket base is very low. It yeah. has to get up uh, and people are reinvesting. Sponsors are coming back to the team as well. I know that is happening. So people they, are getting paid again, so they, they're willing to come there back. Is to the posi- there is positive momentum. There is no Do you, without um, a doubt. Rob asked me a, an interesting question. This was in back in February, and March, and so it's sort of lost a little of its luster. But he said, "Who's getting fired first, Sheldon Keefe or DJ Smith?" And at that point, the question was, you know, if the Leafs flame out again in round one, is Sheldon Keefe on the hot seat? And he appears to have survived, even yes. though they did flame out and. And as you referenced here a minute ago, one of the things that has killed the Senators is terrible starts. And part of that is, hey, try this. Here's Derek Stepan or here's what like trying to jam in vets that haven't panned out instead of just running with the kids. And so the pendulum, since somehow Sheldon Keefe has survived, has switched now. The pressure in our little bet has switched to DJ Smith. He has to get off to a good start. With all these moves, all this positivity, he has to get off to a good start. Well, I would, but it, I, I think it's a dead heat though. I No, it is. It's, right? It, like, yeah. Because, uh, you know. But the pressure point it, for Sheldon Keefe. I think for the first time in DJ Smith's tenure as head coach of this team, he actually has pressure, like real pressure to win. Yes. We've given you the horses here. It's, it's Some like, horses. It's like everything else, you, you can, how do you blame the coach? I mean, you know, with the personnel that you had. And listen, I know excuses are for losers, but last year as well. But he loved those vets too, not just Dorian. Oh, no, 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 no. But uh, no, I, I uh, that's 100%. Yeah. But also last year, it's like you're off, off to the start that you get off to. Um, and then you ended up with a couple of key injuries, and I think that falls back to Dorian. I think they should have traded for a center early in this season. Like, right. Even if it was a guy like Dylan Strom who was available. Yeah, I'm not yeah. the biggest deal, but just somebody that can play. Yeah, and like Pint- I think Pintle's a really good young player, mm-hmm. and they were counting on him, and he wrecks his shoulder, and he's done. White gets, wrecks his shoulder in, in training camp, he's done. So there's two of your top four centers you were counting on. They're done yep. like right away. Um, and your fifth center was Clark Bishop. And you can't even call him up. And, and I'm, listen, and he's not a world beater. But so organizational speaking, you've lost probably, to be fair, right, your two, three, and five yes. centers yep. in a month yep. that are not available Nobody's to play for that. you. It's like, and it's Ottawa. Ottawa's not overcoming that because all three of those guys, it's like, like I don't want to I use this at the time when people were saying, well, well they lost Colin White. I said, listen. I love Colin. Colin's a really good guy. I hope he does really well in Florida yep. and stuff. But let's not romanticize how great Colin White was supposed to be, okay? He had not punched through yet. Right. But it certainly did hurt the franchise uh, that he was unavailable because that is your depth and yep. he's gone, right? And then the Islanders and the Senators, I, they got screwed the most 
by COVID earlier because the NHL was doing their best not to go back in the full, let's shut her down. And yep. they ended up being the guinea pigs. They played with COVID running through the team. Oh, sorry, you guys got to pull a lineup on the ice. Keep, keep going, guys. And like, all right, well, I guess we'll keep losing. Yeah. Um, and we're not very good to begin with right now, but thanks. Uh, and then they get through it, and then it went through the league even more. All right, I guess we're going to shut the league down for a while. So that kind of sucks. Well, so. from the Sens classic perspective, and they weren't wrong from Sens fans. Like, oh, I see when the Leafs get it, we'll shut the league down. <laughs> and that was the timing. That is the way it happened. They were one of the teams. Yes. It wasn't just the no, Leafs. No, you're right, but it was the Leafs yeah. were one of them. And but, uh, if I was a Sens fan, I'd have been in But I'm not blaming too, the NHL. You're trying to keep the business tried. moving. You're doing the best you can. It's like, yes. all right, it's only a couple teams. It's just got to be too All much. right, we got to try to make it work. It's only a couple. Oh, now it's more teams. And then... And both the Islanders, I know the Senators, both their organizations are like WTF, man. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. <laughs> cut us some slack. We, we got we didn't, we didn't get done, We didn't get the shutdown for three weeks. Right. And we lost every game, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> it's like the Broncos being sent out. Oh. We got no quarterback. Yeah, well, play the game anyway. Right? Exactly. Like, that's the way it goes. So, anyway, listen, I just wanted to just, just as like excuses are for losers. Yeah. And honestly, and Pierre Dorian. Came on my show a couple times during last season, mm-hmm. and to his credit, did say, and this is before all these moves, he says, next season, he says, no excuses. He says, we cannot start like that again. No excuses. Right. They can't. Yeah. I don't care what happens to your team. I, they cannot come out of the gate and be dead in the water within 20 games, and right. you know they're done. And everybody's going to tankathon in November, <laughs> every Sens fan. All right. Looking for Connor Bedard. Who's there? That can't happen again. Yeah. Like, um... There, there will be major changes if that happens, and, and it could be the GM, it could be the coach, it could be both. That that can't happen again with this franchise. They've missed five years in a row, and they've missed by a lot five years in a row. Last one for you before we wind things down. What are the odds, you know, your confidence level, one to ten, that Matt Murray is a serviceable goaltender for the Toronto Maple Leafs? Oh. Just, just okay. Just a just a serviceable average NHL goalie. All right. Do you respect me as uh, somebody that would? I'm not a Leaf hater. I'm not. I'm not just saying this. I'm not. I've heard trying, you be pretty reasonable for the most part. I'm on not your trying show. to yeah. poke the bear at all. This I'm going to re- be a very low number. It folks. is a low number. Yeah. It's about a four. Yeah. Um, that's not that far off from where I am. It's about a four, um, and it's twofold. I'm sure you're the same mind. It's been a long time, unfortunately, for Matt Murray, where he has consistently been a very good goaltender. It started like his last year in Pittsburgh. There's yep. a reason why they didn't want to pay him and they traded him to Ottawa, right? Mm-hmm. There's a reason for that. It's been a long time since Matt Murray has been a consistent, good goaltender. And Pittsburgh fans will tell you that Pat, Matt Murray has never really, throughout an entire regular season, filled them with confidence as a true 82-game regular season. No, NHL he's got season. two cup rings. He never, didn't run tapes, you know, pillar to post for those. No, he but, was, but you cannot take that away. No, of course. In the pressure it, games, it he did not falter, and he he was there. Like yep. that, There's something to be said for that. Yep. No question about that. Um, but it's I couple that. It's been a while. Um and we've seen spits and spurts when he's been healthy enough. He had a great run in like January, fans are February. Clinging to that nine game stretch. Oh, exactly. In it's like, <laughs> but it's um, so that there's inconsistency in play. Yeah. 
And the other thing is, the obvious is like, is he going to be healthy enough? That's like, the bigger one for me, to be it, honest with you. Is there you. another concussion around the corner? And I and I hate to say that's not his fault. You can't control that. No. Um, is there is there another injury? It's like, all right, he's on the shelf again, and it's a whole restart and trying to get your game back. And yep. and that's that that was his time in Ottawa. Unfortunately, it just it it was a series of all right, oh, that's too bad. All right, let's restart. Okay, get, oh, oh, hurt again. Okay, or oh, playing really well for a bit. Oh no, you got hurt again. Then you're playing and like, oh, that's a bad goal. And what right. happened there? And like, why can't you catch a puck? The glove you know, hand is bad. It, it's leave like I leaf fans right now. If you're a leaf fan listening and you're just kind of like, you 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 know Matt Murray obviously because you're a fan of the NHL, but you you will be complaining about why can't this guy catch more pucks? I you, you will be complaining about that. I spent it was the Monday morning, I think, where Friedman tweeted out. They're getting close. Like this is happening. And we'd heard the rumors for a while. And both Rob and I sat here and went, there's no chance that's happening. And then on the Monday morning, because it was like the Leafs are too smart for that. Like this is what's rattled me more than anything else. Like Dubas, I'm a Dubas guy. And I'm like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. So on the Monday Sue morning. Mafia, man. That's what happened. I guess. And on the Monday morning, this is happening. So I spent the entire day looking at his underlying stats and his high danger save percentages and like all the advanced analytics and trying to talk myself into it at 3 million, assuming Ottawa's eating 50%. And going, well, maybe. And then it comes out Ottawa's only keeping 25%. And I just, this is terrible. I don't know what you're doing. This is a bad well, gamble. Like I, if you didn't do the Matt Murray thing, I like the Ilya Samsonov gamble at $1.8 million. He's 25. He's a former first round pick. That's a worthwhile gamble. Matt Murray at almost $5 million, for two years when he hasn't been healthy. I, my concern almost as much as whether or not he's any good is whether he's going to play. Like you said, is he going to stay healthy? And you can't be taking two gambles Let me at ask almost you this. $7 million. Would you feel better as a Leaf fan with Ilya Samsonov and, and Matt Murray or Samsonov and Cam Talbot? Of available goaltenders. Cam Talbot. Exactly. He's going to play. Exactly. Yep. He's going to play. He's going to play. Yep. Yep. Because the Leafs, I believe the number is in games last year where the Leafs had sub 890 goaltending, they were 19 and 12. They're a good team. And I know love people, it's an outdated narrative that the Leafs defense is terrible. It's not terrible. The Leafs play pretty good defense right now. Their defensive core is fine. Their goaltending has been... Almost everything but November of last year has been abysmal. Like Jack Campbell had a month of like 960 and it floated his his numbers pretty high. I would have preferred, and these names will sound ridiculous to Leaf in, Kevin Lankinen, Thomas Grice, mm-hmm. just someone who's going to get in the net and give me, I don't know, 905? Give me average. Every single night, give me average. Be average all the time. I don't need a high ceiling. I don't need no. the spectacular. Give me Chris Osgood. Sure. <laughs> I can't believe I'm going along with that. But yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. Just tell me this is what you're going to get every night and I can live with it. And I think the Leafs will be fine to roll the dice like this. I cannot possibly believe that this Here's is what your, Kyle Dubas has decided to to hitch his wagon to. You're 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 a Leaf fan. I, I am. Okay. Now, what you just said, though. It's skittish. A couple right of now, minutes ago, though, I was like, oh, I'm trying to talk myself into it. I if did they, try to talk If they eat half, I'm like, yep. but that's that's a flawed right right away. It's like, if the, so you're trying to talk yourself because you know it's bad. It's bad. You it know, is bad. Are the Leafs in win now mode? 
Supposedly. Have they been in win-now mode? Yeah. And they continue to be in win-now mode. Why in the blue hell are you talking yourself into a potential bargain? Because well, they didn't oh, call me maybe, and ask me. No, 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 not you. I'm talking to the least <laughs> now. Like, like, like it's, so that tells me that Kyle Dubas 100% believes that Matt Murray can be an elite goaltender. That's right. the only thing that adds up. It's not like, well, value this, value that. It's like, I, I've said this many times on the show. Goaltending is the one position. It's like, it's it's black and it's white. Like you and I, I mm-hmm. use the Lucic trade with Calgary and James Neal. Remember a couple of bad signings by two teams and swap, and trades. they just went. You know what? Let's just try this. Yep. We'll, we'll swap. You know, we'll see if it's a better fit and a little bit of salary res- retained, whatever. And Lucic is still drastically overplay overpaid as a Calgary Flame. Yep, as we all know, but fits better. They found a fit. Yep. It's like, That's okay, right. we know we're never going to get full value for what we're paying you, but can you do something for us? Can we find a role for you? Can we put you down the lineup? Can you be a guy for us, an energy shift guy, whatever it is? Mm-hmm. And he can. Yes. And he, and he had a role that helped the team win hockey games. It's like, if you make a mistake on a goalie, it's like, well, yeah. uh, can we find something? Maybe we can turn you into a penalty killer. Maybe we can move you to this line. Maybe No. Yeah, are no you stopping the puck here. or yeah. are you not stopping the puck? Yep. You're not stopping the puck. Well, we're out of options. Yep. It's no, over. and that's right. So I don't understand. Like, like Muzzin, you can slide that guy down to third pair. If you're not in love with it, he can kill penalties still. Yeah, he brings something. He fine. Can, goalie? You, you can nope. slot him somewhere. Nope. With yep. goalie, this is why I don't understand. I don't either. And you just said it, and I'm not. it's not a criticism what you said, but I've seen this a lot from Leaf fans. Oh, if they eat 50, then okay, that's good. It's like, no, no it's not. I if, wasn't if, excited if at If you 50. don't think he can stop the puck, I don't care if no, it's 100% right. or right. it's 50%. If you're not stopping the puck, you're going to lose in the first round again, yep. and you're going to be mad all over and again. And you'll be fired this like time. So They don't get another crack at this. No. The, you have chosen for the next two years before Austin Matthews becomes an unrestricted free agent, this is your goalie. That's Yes. That's, that's a, the window. That's the window. That's a great way to put it. This is the guy. Austin that, Matthews is a UFA in two years and you're saying to me, this is your guy. Yep. That's and, how you're selling and it. And your that's, justification, well, we're only paying 75 for <laughs> I get it. I wasn't saying I was happy at retaining 50. I At 50, I was trying to find a... What, and there is no justification at 75. That paying 4.7 million. You could roll the dice on somebody much cheaper. Yep. And it's just as much... It's the same gamble. It's a gamble. And you've saved money. Maybe you could improve your team in other areas. Yep. And it's the same gamble. Yeah. Right? One more defenseman or one more forward that stops your goalie from having to be... The guy, James Reimer, bring him back. Let's try that. Yeah. Uh, anything would have been better than this. I And I understand the possibility is out there that Matt Murray finds his game. He does. But it is a it is not the most likely. Outcome. Could be a genius move. Sure. But not banking on you're that. You're not feeling it. Nope. I know. All right. No. Uh, anything else we need to get to on this one there, Lloydie? No, I think we're good. Uh, yeah. yeah. Had so, the, the Ambers treated you all right here tonight? I like my Ambers. Yeah. It's very okay. nice. Thank you, sir. No problem at all. And, uh, and I was enjoying here the Bellwoods. Um, Roman Candle IPA. And uh, yeah, very nice, very bitter. I kind of like that. Very hoppy. So uh, you can check that if they, if that's your thing. Uh, Steve Lloyd, most weeks, summer's a little weird, but most weeks, 10 to 2 on uh, yes, TSN 1200. most weeks. Yes. <laughs> uh, in the box. And uh, he's on uh, 
on Twitter at TSN. Steve Floyd will share all that in the show notes. Uh, we, of course, are on social media at Tall Can Audio. Don't forget Patricia Bull here on Wednesday morning. That's going to be a lot of fun. Looking forward to uh, doing that. Lloydy, thank you so much for coming in, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. And we'll wind this one down here for Steve Lloyd. My name's Matt Robinson. We'll catch you all on the next episode of Tall Can Audio. How was that? Number one bullshit. No, number one bullshit. Why are you so pissy? Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe to Tall Can Audio on your favorite podcast app and find us on social media at Tall Can Audio.